Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? Well, we have got a four-part series that is all about the Challenger Cell. Uh, we've made uh, no bones about it. The Challenger Cell is one of our favorite approaches. We just come off the back of sales process, so I think this is uh, a really fitting next series for us. Completely agree. Uh, this isn't necessarily a process. This is more that methodology, that mindset that you take on as the sales rep, so you drive your sales process with these thoughts in mind. We've talked about it so much, I can't believe you haven't read the book, but if you have read the book, uh, great. We're going to try and help you implement the book in your daily life as a tech seller. Yeah, and if you haven't read the book, take some time this week. It's a quick listen if you prefer Audible. Uh, it's a quick read if you like to have the paper in your hands. And do us a favor, right off the uh, off our website, bobbyandbrian.com. You'll have a link to this uh, show directly from bobbyandbrian.com, and you can buy the book through our Amazon link. So give us a little hook up there if you don't mind. Uh, before we jump into this, Bobby, I've got a quick uh, announcement. One of our uh, great friends, uh, listeners to the show... Uh, he's got a sales leadership position open in Dallas, and he's looking for a great candidate for this role. He's in the services business. This is a really, really cool, innovative company. Uh, if you're interested in something like this, reach out to me. Uh, you should have some sort of experience man managing a services sales team. Uh, he's also hiring uh, account executives in Austin as well. Uh, so I can't express enough how cool a company this is and how good uh, the leadership team is here. Uh, so if that's something you're interested in, uh, reach out to me or Bobby. It's uh, brian at bobbyandbrian.com or bobby at bobbyandbrian.com, and we'll give you more details on that. So without further ado, Bobby, let's jump into it. Um, so the Challenger Cell, again, we've, we've talked about this really since we started these, the, uh, the Tech Cell show in January. This is a book uh, written by Matt Dixon and uh, Brent Ab uh, Adamson, uh, Matt Dixon actually did a uh, an event for us when I was at Microsoft years and years ago. It was hands down the best uh, marketing event, customer marketing event, prospect marketing event I've ever done. Bobby, you gave some examples back oh, two months ago of um, ways you can start to build your funnel. Events are a great way to do this. Having an author of a of a book, and at this point, Challenger Cell was pretty it was pretty new to the market. It was a pretty innovative kind of idea. Uh, booking Matt Dixon wasn't very difficult. It wasn't very expensive. Of course, now it'd be he'd be much more um, difficult to get a hold of these days. You think? I don't think he would respond <laughs> to our our email request to join the podcast. I don't think he would either. He, but rest assured, we're connected on LinkedIn, and he's going to get tagged on this on this episode. I we bet love he that does. A little little uh, exposure that way. Yeah, and so a lot of people have heard about spin selling. We've talked about it when we did sales process. Um, the author of that book, Neil Rackham. Uh, said that this is the most important advance in selling for many, many years, right? And so if, if there's ever a competitor in books, uh, those, those two books would be competitors. Uh, pretty interesting that they would say that uh, about a competitive book. But it's true. 
We talked a lot about solution selling. I'm still a fan of a lot of components of solution selling. I think it's what's made me the seller that I am today. But the challenge sale is something that I see makes most of my coworkers very uncomfortable. Uh, and it's probably the, the taking control part that, that is the, the uncomfortable part. But it really does change the way you interact with customers and how you sell a product or service. Yeah, agreed. And, and Bob, you used the term here that's really... If you're familiar with the challenger sell, you're familiar with this term, but it's basically teach, tailor, and take control is kind of the, the methodology challenger sell uses. Um, and it, I think the reason it's uncomfortable, and we'll get into this over the course of the next month, the reason it's so uncomfortable is you can't show up to a meeting asking the same old kind of questions, which we'll get into on this episode here today. So let's talk a little bit um, about kind of what we're going to talk discuss today as well as future episodes we are going to cover kind of the blocking and tackling, like you said, Bobby, about what, you know, kind of compare and contrast this to uh, spin seller. We're going to talk about uh, the solution selling process today. Um, we're going to talk, give an example of this as well. So you can kind of start to um, have a feel for what this approach means to you and how you could uh, start to use this in your own business today. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the challenger approach in a bit more detail and talk about kind of the traditional sales persona. So maybe you're somebody that is like, you're known for being super responsive and on top of all the customer takeaways, right? Maybe that's, that's, that's who you are and it's made you really successful. We're going to talk about how you can use that to take that, take things to the next level. Um, and we're going to finish that, that episode with kind of six ways to take an average rep to a great rep by using the challenger approach. Then, Bobby, we're going to talk about uh, the teach part. That's really the getting really in-depth into the first um, um, approach to the challenger sell. So how do you teach your customers? What things can you start to learn and work on today to be a good teacher for your prospective customers? And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with Taylor and Take Control, and we'll kind of summarize the four episodes past that. So Taylor is basically... I don't know, Bobby, how would you describe it? You're basically kind of taking a message that may work for one industry and then and then tailoring it for the rest of the industries. Would you describe it that way? Yeah, or maybe aligning with my concerns and or issues that I'm currently having with my business. Um, let's assume I'm in IT and I have a lack of people uh, able to do it. Then I would, any value point or benefit that I would describe around my product or my service would be something to help the customer realize they could do it with fewer people. Um, it will benefit them in that way. They don't need to add a headcount. I would be tailoring it to those things that are going to resonate with that customer in their current situation so that it seems like a better choice for them to move forward with. And I'm not just saying, well, it's going to cost less. You'll get more of this than that. I, I tailor the conversation to be part of what they're up against in their current state. Yep. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, and then finally, take control. This is really probably closest to uh, sales process, sales approach. Uh, the challenger sale is really all about, um, it's about an innovative approach to customer engagement. So you, uh, in order to kind of finish this methodology through, uh, starting a conversation is, is a great approach, but you need to be able to finish an intelligent conversation and then have an intelligent approach to what next steps you should take in the sales process. And that's really where we'll finish the challenger sell. And then we'll kind of summarize all four episodes as we finish this up. So Bobby, as you mentioned, um, like spin selling, uh, the, the book that uh, Neil Rackham uh, wrote years and years ago, 
Um, Challenger Cell researched 6,000 salespeople, 90 companies across all industries. But but make no mistake about it, this is very much um, technology sales uh, written. It's kind of written towards the tech seller. Uh, the Challenger Customer is also kind of the follow-up book to this. It's also worth reading. It's a great read and great approach uh, as well. Uh, it's really about it's 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 really taken these six thousand people they've interviewed, the ninety companies that they've talked to, and they've determined characteristics and approaches that have made salespeople successful. So it's proven again and again and again, um, and it's kind of provided a good prov- uh, provided a good roadmap for selling uh, more effectively. Uh, they, these guys also now, um, you know, uh, CEB is an organization that they both used to work for. Uh, they don't work there anymore. Uh, I think they've, they've split off to their own company, but they've, there's now this whole cottage industry of companies that will take this approach and teach it to other companies. So Bobby, I, I know I've been taught this at Microsoft. I, were we there at the same time? When no, this was I think this came afterwards. I think when they started to implement it, you actually sent me an email that said I was a challenger when being a challenger That's wasn't right. so cool. Yes, indeed. And have you worked at companies that have implemented this since? Uh, at Dell EMC, we definitely have uh, a, a flavor of challenger sale with a little bit of a different sales process behind the scenes. But, yeah, we, we teach it to our employees today, uh, try and share and resonate the thought processes. Uh, it is not something that we're bound to and not something that I think the leadership team drives in every aspect of the sales cycle. So it's it's one that's kind of more ad hoc than it is a reality uh, day in, day out. Yeah. And I think I think that's a big thing about all these episodes, right? We don't expect everyone's going to take up all of this, but it's about getting nuggets out of it. For me, I just got a lot more nuggets out of the Challenger Cell than I did any other sales book. I, you know, I enjoy reading sales books, one out of every 10 books that I read is probably a sales book, but I, I can't handle sales book after sales book after sales book. But this one really resonated for me. And I think one of the big things I took from this, the, the, the biggest aha moment for me is that uh, their stat is that 20 to 30% of reps won't be able to successfully transition to the challenger model for a number of reasons, right? Some people have been... Um, They've kind of made their way in the industry by being the most responsive person over email to a prospective customer. So, Bobby, we've used the example all the time to where a customer says, I need a quote for this commodity, whatever commodity is. We kind of pick on printers as the commodity. but And they're like the fastest person. They provide a cheap quote, and they get that order, right? And they think that's success. And those people, unless they kind of really are able to digest and implement Challenger Cell, they'll that'll eventually be phased out they won't they won't be able to survive this this transition that's happening very slowly in the b2b sales space no doubt and there's others uh that kind of fits into one of the categories we're going to talk about as it relates to the challenger sale but i see a lot of people who today are driven by their existing relationships with their customers and they don't want to they don't want to do this methodology or the sales approach because uh, they think that relationship's so important to them. And and I'm a relationship guy. I, I do care about people and I care about birthdays and anniversaries and I try to stay in touch and all those things. But I don't think a customer owes me anything because I've been there for them over the past. So not every rep's going to let go of everything. It's, and maybe you don't have to let go of everything. But the one key is, is that you have to follow these three buckets of teaching, tailoring, and taking control 
to really be that challenger. And the stats on the success of challenger sellers is, is immense. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to play in that bucket. Um, even if you are a successful relationship person, I think, I think those three things would help you be even better at your approach of selling. Indeed. Um, so let's, let's talk about Bobby. Let's talk about the traditional solution selling process. And I, I agree with you. I don't, this is the intention here is not to trash the solution selling process. There's a lot of value here and, and there's a lot that you would use if you, if you fully implemented the challenger sell, there's a lot you would use in discovery with the prospect to once you've kind of gotten in the door and you've built and you've kind of established a need um, and you're in a process, there's a lot, if you're good at the solution selling process, there's a lot you can use to, to foster a good in-depth conversation. But what I do think, um, and I think the research proves this, is that gone are the days of opening a conversation with, uh, so Mr. Customer, tell me about what your biggest pain point is. What, what keeps you up at night? Um, that, that way of opening a meeting is I th- if it's not dead, it's dying. There may be some like remote uh, regions to where uh, customers are, are not fed up with that. But if you're selling in a major markets, uh, that that methodology, that process, that opening question, not bringing something to the table, not listening to our first uh, series. For some of you, this is stuff you already do. But for, for meeting preparation and coming to the meeting with something intelligent, um, you're going to get laughed out of the room or you're going to get... Uh, in Cherie's, you know, in her interview, you're not, there's not much that they're going to want to engage with you on. No doubt. And that was such a great episode last week. I uh, really appreciate her doing that. Indeed. There's all kinds of questions. Um, you know, I think, can you tell me about your business? How many, how many people waste 30 minutes of their meeting on that question? What keeps you up at night? Uh, I like the one I hear a lot lately about what would you wish you could do now uh, that you can't, that you're not able to do? Um, like their product's going to fill that bucket and they'll spend whatever it's going to take to do that, right? And I'm sure you guys have many more questions that, that you've heard that suck or, or just average at best, right? Let's let's pivot on that note and become challenger sellers together. Agreed. So, yeah, so so really the, the traditional solution selling approach is opening with a question. It's, Bobby, let's say that you ask that question, you know, uh, that you know you ask the question what keeps you up at night they say oh my you know let's say they play along with you because they will right the most customers or prospective customers are not going to be a jerk to you and totally shut you down in that meeting i do think more and more prospective customers are getting that way not that they're being a jerk but they're being more uh maybe discerning with their time mm-hmm. you open with that they say um my biggest thing that keeps me up at night is the stability of this application you know we've we've been running this app- core application for x number of years it's on ancient equipments. It's been written on a code line that's 15 years old. I'm concerned that this application is going to go down. And then you follow this process of controlling the conversation. Well, is that because you know you can't make easy changes to this application because it's on an ancient code line, and your the equipment that the application is running on is not on the latest hardware? And you know, it's you as you grow as a company, it's that application is not scaling. And then that, that kind of leads to the conversation, right? There's still value in kind of being able to con- to control the conversation and confirm the challenges and to lead them to to a host of solutions that you might be able to solve for them. But the the solu- the challenger sell approach is is a little bit different. And granted, you need to be working for a company, uh, 
then if you know if you aren't working for a company, you probably need to be challenging where you work for as an employee. I think I think we 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 talk Bobby. We talk to a lot of people that uh, that that are listeners of the show, and they work for companies that are kind of innovative companies and companies they believe in. If you're not, you should get there. You should. That's what you should be aspiring to. But to the challenger cell really fits these kind of innovative type companies, and it's it's a cell where the rep teaches the prospect something about their business, and they tailor their pitch to resonate resonates with those customer concerns, and they take control of the sales process. That's foreign to a lot of people. Even though this this challenger cell methodology has been out for seven years or so, six or seven years. Um, I think I think people. I'd be interested to get your approach on this, Bobby. I think people are still a little bit uncomfortable with the notion of teaching a prospect something about their business. What do you think? I do, and it's probably the problem. Probably lies mostly in sales management. Sorry to all the sales managers that are out there that that are listening that might take offense to that, but it is the manager not helping the the sellers understand how to build their funnel. And and if if nothing else that I hope you get from this first episode is that, you know, the challenge sale will help you move all your deals to that funnel. So getting a quote request is not a strong opportunity. It is the weakest of, of sales opportunities. So you need to learn how to take and build the funnel with quality opportunities that you're, you're creating because you're teaching your customers. So use the example of, of having an enterprise rep. I'll take, use me four or five accounts there's a thousand things my customers could buy from me and or do with me, but I can't just go pitch mine versus everybody else that's got something similar in the market, or it's going to be a knife fight to the, the lowest cost provider. But if I could teach them and tailor that conversation around some of the pain points that I've learned over the years of working with them and provide them a solution that would solve that pain or solve the problems that I know that they're having at a fair and equitable cost, that continues to build on our working relationship as long as I control the conversation or control the process and then get them to buy my stuff. I'm not going to win every one of those deals just because I follow this, but I will sound and feel very different to the customer if I take this teaching approach and don't just try to sell them something on day one. Often I get accused for not being uh, transactional enough, but being transactional isn't what gets me excited and doesn't get my customers excited either. My customers want to have innovative change in their data centers and for their end users, so IT is more strategic to the business. So to your point, Brian, I think it's, it's, you've got to have the mindset of thinking longer game and teaching your customers where you can take them. And then each little opportunity has to have the same thing, a tailored, a tailored message to the topics that you're teaching, and then you control the process to get them to buying. Uh, it'll make a big difference for each one of you. I think, yeah, I think two things you said really hit the mark for me. I think the first is a quote coming in, a request for quote, I should say, coming in. The reason that's so bad and it, it is, it flies in the face of everything in the challenger cell is if you're, if you're going to teach Taylor and take control of the sales process, you're effectively at the end of the sales process when you get a quote request and you, so you've not taught them anything about their business you've not um, tailored uh, what solution you sell to match their business. They've taken out every opportunity for you to differentiate yourself. The only opportunity you have, unless you break their process, is to compete with a lower quote on something they already think is a commodity. 
So you need to get out of that opportunity or you need to break the sales process. And we'll talk a lot in this series about how to do that. Well, I tell this background story to everybody all the time and I just don't think they all believe it, but people that we're working with that are customers that are buying our goods buy the exact same way we buy stuff in our personal lives. So just recently I bought a truck um, and let's just play role play that for just one quick minute. I, I went out, I looked at a bunch of trucks. My wife and I did it on Saturday, Sunday because we knew they were all closed. We didn't want to see any salespeople. Of course, we take the approach of doing what we wanted to do. We went to truck dealerships. I didn't go to the, a bunch of car dealerships. I wasn't interested in a car. I wanted a truck. So we went to two or three truck places, visually saw the ones we kind of liked. Then I went home and did a bunch of research online. Right? I knew what prices were. I kind of had a ballpark idea. And then I used a service. Many of you probably have heard of, a, of these type services, but I told everybody in the Houston area that I was looking for a truck and to give me their best price, and it had these things I wanted, right? So I already knew most of what I wanted. Um, and so I got like a 100 emails the next morning. We're ready to help you. Here's our best price, quote, 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 quote. They were all responding to my quote request. Ultimately, I had a bunch of better ideas on what the pricing was, but I went to a dealership and they actually taught me something. And I probably didn't get the cheapest truck, but I got a lot in that truck that I wasn't planning on getting. And the values were there. I ended up buying a much larger warranty. I thought the sales rep did a lot more than get me and her manager to race to zero, right? And customers are just like us. They're going to buy the same way. They're going to have done their research. They're going to have a really good idea of what they want. And they're, they're going to pay more if they get more value. I just, I know they will. But Bobby, it wasn't, you didn't buy from the person that responded to your email the fastest, your request the fastest? I never responded to a whoa, single whoa, whoa. email. What about the cheapest price? No, did not respond to the cheapest what price. About, what about the guy that followed up with you six times? Most of those were in my junk mail, so I didn't <laughs> see all of them. But they're all the points that we're trying to make people it does you cannot win a deal with an email and if someone asks you to give them a quote you're probably providing them zippo value there's something else you said bobby in your and in, in, when you talked about the uniqueness of the challenger said you talked about that's you you kind of got blamed for maybe not being transactional and that's something you're not interested in i could not agree more with you and i it goes back to what how i kicked off the episode or the section here if you're in a job to where you, the challenger sale won't work, well, two things. First, I would I would challenge you to determine if that's actually true or not. Are you just kind of, are you fed up with your job and you're just, you're kind of looking for a reason to leave? So if that's you, be, be self-aware to know that. If not, if you're working for a pure commodity type play company and you're sick of your job, this is probably why is because you're not able to bring to bring an intelligent conversation to differentiate your 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 wares so so be if you're not able to do that then yes it is going to be boring it's going to be uh it's going to be difficult but i would challenge people that may feel that way to to think about is it because the company is not providing you with the kind of assets you need to teach your customers and again we're going to get all this in future episodes in this series um but that's something you need to be reflecting on, I think, in this series. This, Bobby, this uses a method called commercial teaching. Um, and just because we're going to be referring to it through it, we'll, we'll kind of define that. Commercial teaching is a sales approach where the rep teaches a prospect on how to think about their commercial needs. You, you gave an example about when you bought a truck. Um, you know, it could be whether you're buying a truck, buying a house. We have all 
um, dismissed someone. Um, oh, I'll tell you a great one for me. I We get knocks on our door here in Windsor all the time, as the rest of the world does too, of people trying to sell products. I open the door. If I open the door at all, I open the door complete skeptic. I'm uninterested in somebody knocking on my door and selling me something. However, I have been... I have changed in two areas. We have fresh flowers delivered to our house every Monday morning at 9 a.m. And it's because a guy knocked on my door and, um, and, and kind of taught me about why buying flowers from the grocery store is a terrible idea or from the local florist is a terrible idea. And he talked to me about the freshness of it, the prices of it, uh, just the process of buying them and bringing them home. Um, has changed my approach and I'm now on a one of those I'm suckered in Bobby to one of those subscription services um, that I love you'll, now. you'll probably pay for that for three years when you get back to the states too Dude, just because you forgot totally totally um, another one is fresh vegetables and fruits anyhow it, it is teaching a prospect on how to think about their commercial needs that's what that's what the challenger cell is all about and it's all about commercial teaching I thought Bobby we'd finish up this episode by giving an example here. Uh, Bobby, you and I both came from the days where Microsoft made the tradition, uh, the, the transition from uh, selling on-premise exchange to Office 365, which at the time was terribly named, what was it? You remember the name of it? BPOS, baby. BPOS. Business Productivity Suite. Optimization Suite. Suite. Yeah, something like that. that. Yep. The terribly named BPOS, I, maybe even worse, Office 365 named um, product. I think they're even regretting that. I think there's been some extra internal stuff that's been exposed. But it's an, it's an amazing product. It doesn't take away from the engineering of this product. It's, it's, it's really an amazing tool. And, Bobby, I, you know, I remember Steve Ballmer in one of our sales kickoffs saying that we're, we, this is when we were at Microsoft at the time, we are going to host Energizer's email. And I remember thinking, that is... That is maybe the silliest thing I've ever heard. Why would we, Microsoft, host Energizer's email? Didn't make any sense to me at all. And this is the time where Gmail was kind of starting to, to come up a bit for outsourcing corporate email. So, Bobby, I think this was kind of my first introduction and kind of a new approach to a sales process. Using the old um, solution selling process um, wouldn't have worked as well here. So even though challenger sell wasn't a thing here, this is where we talked about uh, both you and I kind of being challenger sales before this was a, a formalized methodology. So I, I think the point of hosted well, real email, quick, real quick, yeah, before yeah, yeah. you jump into that point, I do think solution selling would have worked. It might not have been as effective to get as much of the work that you would have wanted as a Microsoft rep. So in those days, we might have got a division, a branch office. We might have got remote email, maybe not corporate email. We would have got pieces and parts with a solution selling approach. But I think with the challenger approach, we, we didn't only speak to IT. We were able to speak to the business. We were able to control the, thought, the mindset, the way they were thinking about their commercial needs, and the whole organizations were getting wrapped into those deals which was really helping us achieve our outcomes, which were selling these massive contracts with licensing on them that not everybody were, were getting these bigger deals. So uh, it might have worked, but I don't think it I don't think it grows your deals as much and you don't get as much wallet from the customer as you do with this challenger sale approach. And, and that that's I think that fits really well into this because 
uh, and not to get too deep into what BPOS or Office 365 was, it was in part though a solution for hosted email, but that was only one piece of it. We were selling a much broader solution. So you're right. If you'd taken the traditional uh, uh, solution sell, selling methodology, maybe you would have convinced them to switch their email to an exchange server that's been hosted by Microsoft rather than on their own on-premise. But but it's not solving the broader, it's not selling the full suite or solving the broader problem. So we're going to kind of dissect, we're going to give an example that walks really you all the way through or at least partially way through the challenger cell. But know that we'll get, in, get into the steps of this in future episodes. So typically, and you'll have seen this if you've seen our intro emails. Uh, so we had a listener's choice where we talked about uh, great emails to kind of get in the door. And you'll notice that a lot of these emails follow the challenger cell approach. So Bobby, getting into this example, and we're going to make up the stats here, right? Because it's been years since both of us worked at Microsoft. Uh, so all these numbers and percentages are made up here. So you want to have, you want kind of a flashy introduction to this. So maybe um, 62% of our customers tell us that managing an email server is unstrategic to their business. Maybe you make that number 92%. Maybe you make it 96%, right? You want some sort of bold assertion or statement uh, that is indicative of the market that a customer would look at. And maybe that wasn't what they woke up thinking about in the morning, but they do when they see it, it resonates with them and they say, it's true. You're right. Managing an email server is completely unstrategic to my business. I also think that we could, in those days, we would talk a little bit about reliability and the 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 fact that people that were hosting their own email were having more downtime than any of the hosting companies maybe even all the hosting companies combined security was a big threat um, there's no way a single IT shop can have the level of security specifically back in those days where they were better secured more secured had some compliance things knocked off their list than a big hoster like Gmail or maybe what Microsoft was starting to introduce in those days as well. So lots of things that you could you could really teach in just a few statements to a customer if you stayed away from the big elephant that I'd like to replace your email with a service. Exactly. And you really what you and what we'll continue to talk about through this series is you don't want to lead with the product, you want to lead them to the product. And that's really what you're what you're saying, Bobby. It's you want to you're not telling them, hey, host, host your email with us. What you want to do is say, hey, doesn't on-prem suck? Isn't this a terrible way to manage something that's not a competitive advantage to your business? And, and then that leads them to, hey, what if, and this is really where it comes into the reframe, most customers, you want to get them to buy in, right? You want them to say, yes, you're right. What, what CTO or CIO or VP of IT in their right mind would tell you that hosting exchange on-premise or, or having my own exchange server on-premises is a strategic advantage for our business. If they said that, that person, he or she, unless they have some crazy unique business, is probably out of a job in a few years. That kind of mindset won't last in this industry. So you're gonna, it's a very obvious yes, but it's a problem they probably haven't considered or even thought about. And, and what your aim is in the next step is to reframe it and kind of lead them to what your solution is. And in Microsoft's solution, this was BPOS or what's known today as Office 365. So you'd say something like, yes, we hear that a lot. 
Most customers tell us it's tough to put together a business case every three or four years to upgrade an exchange server. There's always risk. There's always cost with upgrading these servers. You know, the business always feels like it's this kind of one-time injection of, you know, a benefit of a new product, but then it's out of date in three years. You know what? Our email's fine. I can get, I can send and receive email. Let's just not upgrade exchange this time. You kind of get them, you kind of, you, you kind of continue to push them towards something that you're offering here. So what's interesting is what if you could offload this service, Mr. Customer, you could have, you know, you don't have to deal with these upgrades anymore. You could have a more reliable service. You don't have to lift and shift your old environment anymore. You have unlimited storage and archive, and you could have a lower total cost of ownership over the course of, you know, three years, two years, five years, whatever that TCO is. Uh, that you're able, able to help them achieve. That's really what you want to lead them to, and that's what the reframe is all about. And who who could really argue with that? I mean, they have to explore that, or they're not doing their cust their business any justice if they're not even exploring something that would sound that dang good. But if they were just responding to a quote request or saying you know or sending out a quote request, you're not you're not going to be in the same position. If you and if you do say this and you get them thinking, and, and their wheels are turning, and they do bring other people in to talk about it, they won't forget that you were the one that brought it up, you, that you guided them to the way of thinking about their commercial needs, and you're probably going to be in the driver's seat throughout the process as well. And, and it's got to it's got to have resonance to it. We talked about this before. Um, resonance is, is what makes it valuable and interesting. You're going to get delegated to the people that you talk like, so if you talk like someone that doesn't have experience and you're trying to reach out to a CIO or a VP of IT, you're going to get delegated to the director of IT or some engineer on their staff. So it's got to be a strong, sharp message that you bring to the table and that you're teaching your prospective customer. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Just a quick reminder, um, if, you, if, if there's um, any interest in this uh, career opportunity that's uh, one of our close friends of the show, has reach out to myself brian at bobbyandbrian.com or bobby at bobbyandbrian.com reach out to us we'll, we'll get you more details and put you in touch with them um and then bobby to, to just kind of recap on what we're going to cover in future episodes um, the next episode is all about the challenger approach that's really kind of the first few chapters of the book um, then we'll talk about teaching for differentiation uh, this is a key piece of it so we're going to cover this all on its own and then finally, we're going to wrap it up with tailoring the conversation um, for resonance. So, so making it valuable and make sure it meets the expectations of your prospect and then really take control of the sales process. If you haven't read the book, go get the book. Uh, go to our website, read Brian's review of the book. Click through from there to buy the book. Give us the 20-cent referral fee from <laughs> Amazon. We would appreciate it. And um, always remember, average is the enemy. Don't be average. I believe average sucks. And until next week, thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.